Hi, and welcome on How to Hack Your Brain Through Meditation. My name is Josh Bashinsky. I'll be your host for today. I'm a PhD ABD with neuroscience, psychology, and philosophy. I've been meditating for over 30 years, and I've developed a system that uses Western meditative techniques and Eastern meditative techniques, including neuroscience and psychology, put it all together into a very powerful meditation system that will help you optimize your life. We've been going through uh, concepts of the good and concepts of enlightenment. So let's continue with the concept of enlightenment, and let's see if we can get more enlightened. All right, so we've been focusing on the path to the good, the path to enlightenment. And that is my manuscript, Tao Agathos. Tao is the path, truth, or spirit, the Chinese word. And then Agathos, the ancient Greek word for the good, for the ideal, for the idyllic. And I want to show how this path and this, this good has mag- a maximal logical and emotional superiority. So this is going to be a radical concept. This is going to be very Western Uh, but in some cases very Eastern as well. And remember the West and the East are like a key in a lock that help unlock each other, unlock enlightenment. And so let's dive in. This should be very interesting. You're never going to, you've never seen anything like this, I guarantee. So maximal, the good has maximal logical and emotional superiority. And you might be asking, well, how is that? Well, this is how the good has relative logical and emotional superiority. Quite frankly, Nothing is more good or positive or maximal or optimal or idyllic than the maximally good, positive, optimal, idyllic. The goodest is the goodest. That's just the meaning of the words. And once you perceive the meaning of the words, hopefully you can feel the epitome of the feelings. And then once you feel the epitome of the feelings, hopefully you can shape the confines of your soul, of your perceptions around this. And so that's what we're going to work on today. So let's breathe in. We're listening to Theta Wave music right now to get into a deeper trance state for a greater Eastern perception, uh, kind of a neuroscience, a neuroscience hack. To uh, It's a, 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 as if you've been meditating for 10 years already just by listening to this uh, Theta Wave generator. So let's breathe in through the nose. And out through the mouth. Good. Good. Breathe in, breathe out. Now I want you to reach out with your soul, with your with your imaginary fingertips to each wall. I want you to bring them in. I want you to reach out again. And as you're reaching out, the walls come in naturally, like, like they're connected, like water currents. So you push the water on top, the water on the bottom pushes in. And you feel that in your soul, that's just happening to your soul, and you feel like you're sinking deeper into your seat. Uh, please do not be operating any motor vehicles at the moment. No airplanes or helicopter flying, please, unless you're on autopilot. And hopefully there's no yelling and screaming around you. You can focus in on your phone and give it your full attention, because that will just more maximally hack your brain in a positive, enlightened way which is the whole purpose of this program and uh, to control anxiety and depression and to turn that into enlightenment, into joy and into calmness. And the ability to be able to do that at will, whenever you want. So, remember, perceive. Uh, Plato's translators would say, recollect. Recollect. Nothing has more value than capital V value. 
and nothing is or can be superior to the capital S superior value, the superior importance, the essence of superior. It is superior. There is no more true, pure good than this purest, goodest good that we are seeking. We seek it. We seek to commune with it. We seek to be with it, for lack of a better, that's a clumsy physical metaphor. And clumsy physical metaphors can get us into danger. But we seek to perceive it. We seek to be one with it. Another clumsy metaphor, but I hope you get my point. We seek to uh, encapsulate ourselves in it, to let its let its goodness fulfill our emotions and our joy and fill our soul and our continents and our perceptions and our emotions and our apperceptions and our thoughts are fully uh, emulsified in this goodness, this like, this joy, this positivity, the highest good, the optimistic. We're fully emulsified in the optimistic. And that's a very interesting word we're going to get to, the optimistic. I didn't say the optimal, although we are seeking the optimal for sure. We're fully emulsifying our thoughts, our heart, and our emotions in the optimistic. That's more than just us. It's the optimistic. It's op- that's objective. What's op- the optimistic? So just breathe in, breathe out, feel the optimistic. Perceive the optimistic. Perceive the optimal. Turn your souls again to enlightenment. Just a couple of steps, just a little, just crank your neck a little bit. Plato used this metaphor of the cave. You might have heard of it. Book 7 of the Republic, his masterpiece, The Republic. The Alan Bloom translation is probably the best one if you want to pick up a book. It's a beautiful white book, Alan Bloom. You can get them used. A lot of universities buy them, so any used bookstore is going to have a ton of copies of students dropping it off for 5 bucks, 10 bucks, really cheap probably. In Book 7 of the Republic, he talks about his cave metaphor. And this is one of the best meditative uh, metaphors and philosophical metaphors, because quite frankly, that's the same thing, folks. Anyone who thinks that Eastern meditation and Western philosophy are different, they really don't understand enlightenment, quite frankly. So that's how we're on the cutting edge. We're on the cutting edge of this new kind of ancient secrets being brought back to neuroscience. So you're on on this journey with, with me, and we're on a very important journey for humankind and for your own lives. Forget humankind, just for your own lives. And this cave metaphor, Plato talks about life. And he says, life is like a movie theater. He didn't know what a movie theater was, but he said a cave. But a cave where you're sitting and everyone's looking at the back of the cave or the movie screen, if you will, in our parlance. And we have two things holding us there. We have the boards of habituation, and these boards are tied to our head and doesn't let us turn around and look up out the cave to see enlightenment, to see the truth, to see uh, 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 joy and the good. Because we have our habits, our bad habits, that are getting us, keeping us look at the social media echo chamber of the, all the bad things. And the second thing that's stopping us from going up towards the good, and this is, Plato came up with this, and this is such a, once you understand the cave metaphor, you realize how much of a brilliant, how brilliant Plato was, and how, how the ancients understood humanity and human, the human condition, and exactly what we're going through right now, better than probably we do. 
And the other thing that holds you from going towards the good and, and reaching enlightenment is the chains of moral indignation. We're all chained to our spots in the cave, and the chains are our moral indignation. You might think, that's a very interesting. What does that mean, moral indignation? Well, you know it. You know it very well. You've, you've encountered moral indignation every day. The more Karens get uppity, the more the left wags their finger at the right, the more their right rags their finger at the left. That is all fueled by the most terrible of vitriolic moral indignation. And that is definitely stopping you from reaching enlightenment, from having a full synoptic understanding of both sides, the good, the pros and the cons of both sides. I'm sorry if I'm breaking some people's hearts right now, but my job is to tell you the truth. So here's the truth. You can never reach enlightenment if you're fully left-wing, and you can never reach enlightenment if you're fully right-wing. Your sympathies can go either way. That's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. But you have to understand how the right and left fit together. And you have to understand the pros and cons of both sides. That doesn't mean you have to be a centrist either. In fact, you would be none of those things. To reach enlightenment is not to be political at all. It's to escape the cave of politics and to become philosophical. It's to become a philosopher. It's to become a mystic. It's to become the Shen Gren, or at least the Junzi. It's to become the sage. It is to become outside of politics. And you can see it all for what it is and explain it. That is enlightenment, and that requires you to seek the good and to understand the good. There is nothing more important to your life, to human lives, to society, to politics, to heaven, to morality, or to enlightenment than understanding capital T, capital G, good, the good. So again, that's how the West and the East unlock each other for the whole benefit of humanity, enlightenment with a capital E. Not just your enlightenment, but enlightenment, period. So, to understand it all, you have to understand superior. There is no more true pure good than the purest, goodest good. And so when you finally have understood these last three lessons that I've talked about, these guided lessons, you found it. You found the good. You have true value. The thing you've been searching for your entire life. The good, the light that fills the darkness of nihilism, of the emptiness, of the loneliness. The mark by which everything is measured, including you. The truest, most fully good, the superior. Your good, their good, the good. You've found the answer to the question you've been asking since you were two that your parents might not have been able to answer. You found the why. Tell me, if not the good, if not the maximal, most positive idyllic, if there's no value in it, then why else? What else could be the answer to the question why? Why? Because it's good. In fact, it's the most good. It's the goodest. It's the very essence of goodness. And by participating in 
and understanding and living for and seeking the goodest of the goodest. Only in that way will you seek, will you reach enlightenment, and only in that way can the human species be saved, quite frankly. But we'll get to that. That's later. Right now, yes, you can save the world with all this. That's surprisingly an aside. Right now, we're trying to save you. Right now, we're trying to save one soul. That's it. I don't know who you are. I'm trying to talk to somebody. I'm just trying to give this to somebody else before I croak. Rushing, that date rushing ever closer. So perceive the good, understand the good, feel the good, wake up to the excitement, the positive, idyllic excitement, the joy of the cohesive goodest good. In true intent and in evident result. Remember, in true intent and the good in evident result. Understanding and seeking anything less is suboptimal. Anything less than the maximally good, quite frankly, is just inefficient. It's inefficient. You only have so many moves you make in your life. You do not make infinite moves. You make finite moves. You have 1,246,000 moves to make in your life. Every move you waste that is not being... Uh, organized towards the maximal optimal good was inferior. It was inefficient. It was a waste of a move. You throw away a move. Now I'm not saying you have to be some kind of crazy monk and I'm not saying you have to stop doing a whole bunch of stuff. Although maybe a whole bunch of stuff that's hurting you might be a good idea to stop, but we'll get to that. And you don't have to beat yourself up that, oh no, I wasted some moves. Of course, we all waste moves. We're all floundering around when we're a baby. We waste a, a thousand moves before we're one. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Relax. Don't beat yourself up. Beating yourself up is not good. That's not part of the good. There are no mistakes when you're seeking the good in true and honest intent and in evident result. There's no problems and there's no mistakes. You're seeking the good. Every move you're trying to seek the good. Every move you're trying, at least, and seeking truly, truly, with the evidence on your side that you're seeking the optimal move, the idyllic move. There is no why else. Why? The epitome of goodness. There is no better reason. That is the scale. The epitome of goodness is the very scale by you would measure the answer to the question why. There could be how else if you are misconfigured, but there is no why else possible because nothing is gooder than the good. All values, all lowercase values, are subsumed by capital V value. Nothing is superior to capital S superior. That is the emotional and the logical relative superiority. Logically, nothing is superior to superior. Emotionally, nothing is better than perceiving the good, tuning your soul into just joy, just tune your soul right into joy and positivity, and in your conduct and in your soul and your con your continence, your conduct and continence 
are perfectly aligned into perfect optimal goodness. And living in that, there is nothing better than this. There's no drug that is better. Now there's some drugs that can make you feel higher, for sure, but they come with drawbacks, don't they? You never come down from the good. The good never gives you a hangover. Just more goodness. You're starting to see what the ancients saw. You're starting to see what the mystics saw, why they closed themselves off in a mountain and never came out. They didn't need anybody else. They didn't need anything. Now, again, I'm not saying you should go leave your families in, in, in the dirt, and I'm not saying anything like, anything like that. I'm just opening your eyes to the, what is possible that no one has ever told you before. And if you thought that was radical, get this, it gets better. So, remember I told you about the word optimistic. It is optimistic. Trying to think of your situation or your status. Facebook long ago, I don't know if it still has this because I haven't been on Facebook for years, for the obvious reasons. It's sick. You should get off Facebook immediately. Get off Facebook as soon as possible and social media in general, if you can. It is usually a very bad habit uh, modeled on gambling psychology. The same psychology that uh, people have uh, in that uh, hurts people in casinos they use in, uh, in uh, social media. If you want, email me at joshpachinski at gmail.com. I'll show you the studies. They use the same psychology to hurt people. Uh, it gets you worried, and then you have to go, go back for your habitual uh, intake of the emotional uh, homeostasis, right? Your mind and soul tries to make emotional homeostasis. The sick thing about your anxiety disorder is that it tries to perpetuate itself. To break that, and you don't have to have an anxiety disorder, just to break your any negative emotions, whether you're clinically diagnosed or not, to break any negative emotions, you need to change the paradigm. There is no better paradigm than the best paradigm. There's no gooder paradigm than the goodest paradigm, which is what I'm trying to give to you. Tuning and dialing in in your continence and in your conception in your and your actions of the good and seeking it. So uh, anyway, back to Facebook. So it used to be able to state your status on Facebook. And so what is your status? What, what did you write? Eating lunch. You know, I'm, I'm not making fun of anybody. I did it too. Eating lunch or watching TV or something. That's not your status. Your status or your context or your aspect is and needs to be if you wish to seek enlightenment, if you wish to truly hack your brain, and if you want to save the world or if you want the world to be saved, the context needs to be always maximal good. Your context is good. Your aspect is good. Your status, good. How you doing? All good. And not... And you can mean that in, in, in almost a pejorative, like uh, by rote, by W-R-O-T-E, rote, by habit. Nothing wrong with habituation as long as it's organized to the good. That's what we want. We want good habits, right? Not bad habits. Well, what are good habits? The goodest habits, the habits of the good, capital T, capital G. There's the implicit superior logic because it is implicitly emotionally better. 
Uh, so this is going to be the last lesson for today. It's really going to blow your mind. So you really kind of try to appreciate what I'm saying. Your context is always good. The answer is always good. How are you doing today? Good. And not because you're ignoring them, but it's all good. The aspect is good. Your status is, it is optimistic. Everything is optimistic. As long as you seek the good in your heart and mind, your situation is in the good. Your status is in the good. You're in the green. You are in the good. And to gain enlightenment, we really need to appreciate and be content in how the good how good the good is. We need to find contentment in how good the good is. That we're not self-soothing, self-soothing every second with ice cream and treats and drugs and sex. In fact, we we tone off on those artificial implementations of the good for the pure product of being content in just how good the good is and at perceiving how good the good is and tuning our dial into the good. Because again, all those things I said, the ice cream, the drugs, the sex, they come with drawbacks. The ice cream makes you fat, <laughs> right? And don't be worried if you're a little overweight. Don't worry about your appearance at all, in fact. But it's not healthy for you. It could cause diseases, diabetes. The drugs, again, can hurt you and kill you. Uh, too much sex could make you a sex addict. And you can get STIs and unwanted pregnancies. Uh, and uh, hurt other people's feelings and hurt your feelings, too. Uh, and ruin lives, in some cases. So all those artificial ways of... Uh, Evolution has conspired to a wonderful thing, that all the ev- all the artificial paths to the good. I'll say that again, Luca. And so evolution has conspired to a wonderful thing, that all, it just so happens, that all of the artificial paths to the good hurt you. They are lackluster. They're inefficient. They're inferior. The good is the good, and that's the only good you need generally speaking once you pare down all your needs right now if I, if I asked you to write down what are all your needs that you can't you know do with on a, on a weekly basis without which you can't do without on a weekly basis and I asked you to write them down you'd have a you might have a list of a hundred things right oh I need my ice cream I need my treat and I need my protein shake and I need my and then we pared that all down to the bare bare minimum that's how you seek the good Again, we'll get to needs and wants and the competition of everyone's needs and wants. We'll get to that later. Right now, we under, need to understand and perceive how good the good is and be content in how good the good is and to know that you don't have to enjoy every second of it for it to be the good. This is how you use the Eastern techniques that uh, Socrates caught wind of as well, again, through that Silk Road trade. And he called it, interestingly, in Greek, he called it practicing how to die. A little morbid, but there's an interesting lesson there. Practicing how to die. Practicing how to give up on all the things you don't need. Give up on all the bad stuff you don't need. Let it die. Kill it. Practice how to die. Practice how to die. So that you're living a simpler life and it's much easier for you to be fulfilled. Therefore... And because you're living a simpler life, it's much easier for you to be fulfilled and happy. It's so much easier for everyone else in your life to be fulfilled and happy as well. 
because the the mathematics of intrinsicity of your intrinsic needs gets simpler and simpler the more you reduce and, re and reduct but again that's on the horizon we're getting to that there there is a there's a metric to control everything this is true enlightenment this is not false enlightenment i have an answer to every question but later <laughs> i'll get to that later so right now we need to be content in how good the good is when someone asks us our status it's good when someone asks us our context our context is opti is optimal or optimistic how are you doing maximal that's always the answer and your aspect your appreciation of the good you should try and we're seeking to always have it in, in to be commensurate with how good the good is and that it's optimistic everything is optimistic and you do not have to enjoy every second of it for it to be optimistic and you don't have to be in sensuous joy and enraptured feeling of every moment although you can be if you practice enough the good for you to be for it to be the good and for you to be in the good remember you have to will the good there's you're 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 focusing to yourself good 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 you're, you're meditating let's try this meditation this is a form of meditation right now Re repetitive meditation let's do get into that trance state again let's reach out with our hands let's pull in the walls we're spreading out as the walls are pulling in and pushing us down 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 and the more down 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 we're pushing we're feeling and we're apperceiving and we're we're perceiving good 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 and then we're just feeling more goodness and we're every time we say good it pulses in us good 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 like joy then Lao Tzu's 10,000 things can happen it can get in the way you can lose touch with the good of perceiving the good always of always having that optimistic joy in your heart your emotions might wander you might fall asleep you might dream but you will always come back to the good if you're always seeking the good habitually and then remember to habitually meditate upon the good you will always come back to the good you want to wake to the good the sleep when you went away means nothing and this gets into a deeper um, philosophy of reincarnation but again, that's that's further back on the horizon. That's the last thing I will teach you about is our our understanding of reincarnation. Right now, your personhood is not what everyone thinks your personhood is. You are not the person you were five minutes ago. You're probably pretty close, unless you just had a life-changing moment. And as as conceited as I am to think that you might get one in my class, I'm trying to give you one in my class. But five minutes ago, the person, uh, maybe you're a little different because I just taught you something very profound, but you know, from five minutes to five minutes, you're probably close to the same person, but you're really not, not in the same way that, that the rest of the world conceives. You're not in the same molecules. You gained molecules and you lost molecules in those five minutes. Physically, you're not the same. And even informationally, you're not the same. You gained information and you lost information in the last five minutes. You are not the same person. So then why do you blame yourself on mistakes that were made by the person you were 30 years ago? That wasn't you. In no way was that you. Even if you're remembering correctly, which is doubtful, 
physically, you are not that person at all. All of the molecules, all of the star stuff that we're made of has completely recycled out of you. You're not physically the same person as you were. You don't even look the same as you did 30 years ago. And emotionally and intellectually and informationally, you are not even close to the same person anymore either. There might be some commonalities. Maybe you were stubborn then and you're stubborn now. Whoop-de-doo. Welcome to the human race. Most of us are stubborn. That is not an, uh, a soul-identifying characteristic. All right? The heuristic of your entire informationality, the matrix of your entire decision-making and emotion-feeling being is you. And it fluxes over time, right? And states. But there's different paradigmatic interpretations of it. There's paradigmatic instantiations of it and you are right now a paradigmatic instantiation of information right the software running on that star stuff that's what you are and you are not the same from even moment to moment never mind from year to year and so when I say wake to the good that's you waking up every time you apperceive the good again and someone reminds you of it let's say you ditch this podcast you're like ah oh, Josh you're crazy 20 years you meet me in a park and I start saying stuff to you and then it, you remember the good you remember awesomeness you remember the joy the, the positivity you wake to the good again the sleep in between means nothing because we seek the good we are dedicated to the good that's who we are that's who you truly are everything else is nightmare and dream and nothingness there is only the good there is only seeking it and then instantiations that fall away from this. That's all there is. That's all reality is. That's all it needs to be. What? Any of you out there can prove it is something else? Bullshit. That is a child's mistaken understanding of a number of basic life concepts that meditation and philosophy are going to cure you of if you continue to watch that you do not need to follow or subscribe to in any way, shape, or form. Any of these pessimistic views of death, uh, that one's hard to swallow, so table that for later. But of who you are, that you're the same person when you were five because you had the same name, or some other Lockean or Hobbesian bull crap way of thinking about it. They're wrong. They're wrong. That's it, never the way it was. It's not, it's not true. Not the same physicality, not the same informationality. Nothing essentially about you is the same. Nothing except for maybe a couple things which are, okay, whoop to do You were stubborn then, you're stubborn now. That's not enough to build a personality on, right? That's part of the paradigmatic instantiation. That's not the sum totality of the paradigmatic instantiation. So this wake to the good, the sleep means nothing, means you need to wake to the good. You need to remember to wake up and you're waking up again. You're waking up again. You're waking up again. You seek the good again and keep seeking it, seeking it, seeking it. Good, 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 Until it almost becomes like the fluorescent lights on. They seem to be constant, but really they flash 60 times a second at least. And that's what we are. We are instances. That's it. That instance is gone. The last 10,000 instances I just talked about are gone. We are always flashing. Good, good, good. You want to make sure when you flash, it's good and not bad. Not bad, 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 bad. Keep doing bad things. Every time you get a snapshot of reality of what your being is doing, it cannot be aligned to the bad, not if you want to have a good life and seek enlightenment and hack your brain. 
Not if you don't want to be like all those other idiots. If you want to be like all those other idiots, by all means, press stop right now and just go and live your life. We are seeking the good, something higher, something better, something that quite frankly has never been fully conceived of before. Doing something that no one's fully done before, putting the Western and the Eastern stuff fully together, the way that Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, my teachers, were starting to do so from Buddha and from Lao Tzu. And whoever wrote the I Ching, I don't even know. Bit of Confucius, putting that together. So, when someone asks you what your status is, I am optimizing, or I am optimistic, or it is optimistic. It doesn't matter how you felt. Wake to the good. The sleep means nothing. The sleep you've had for the last whatever it is. If in this life, the last 30 years, you've been seeking the good, now you've woken up to it, great. You were asleep for 30 years. Now you woke to the good. When you were, when you were a baby, you knew the good. That's why they giggle and they're happy all the time. They have no, they have no impediments. Everyone's born enlightened. Mostly. Some people cry all the time. They might have a screw loose. But everyone can become enlightened. Everyone is born to the good. Everyone is enlightened. Then they forget. They sleep. And you sleep, 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 and you get taught all this crap and wrong stuff in the cave until hopefully you find it again. You might find little, little instances of it. You have sex with somebody and you think you're in love. You find a little bit of the good. Have a child. You see the innocence in them, the goodness in them. A little bit of the good but not the good proper, not the fully, full, enlightened understanding of it that you need, right? Or if you believe in our, uh, if you understand reincarnation the way we do, you might have lived the last 500 lives without waking to the good. It doesn't matter, it was all just sleep and you forget about it. Just with dreams, forget about it, it doesn't matter. Waking to the good matters because the good matters. The good is the only thing that matters. It is the measure of matter. It's the measure of value. Nothing else is valuable than the measure of value. You can't, you can't take any other scale to value the good. The good is the scale. Now you're getting it. You can't take any other scale out to measure the scale. The good is the scale. Importance is how you measure everything. Importance and value and the good is the same thing, the same concept. So everything is optimistic. It is optimistic. The good value is the measure by which all values are measured. The good is the context by which we contextualize all contextualizations. The value concept we use to assess everything. Capital V value. The truest superior context to put everything in. The only context. There are no other contexts. Context is value. Value is the context by which we judge everything. We are just doing it wrong when we fail to judge superior value superior. Maximal value, the good, is the logically and emotionally superior aspect to view or frame anything. The only aspect to set our lives to to set all of our emotions and goals to. The only maximally positive ideal context in which to judge it all, or at least the superior one, 
getting our priorities straight is understanding the maximal good. Nothing takes priority over superiority. Nothing is superior in value to the superior, to the maximal good. Consider to serve another master, so to speak, to seek lesser value is seeking lesser value. It's to automatically do worse and to be worse. To consider things wrong or they're always wrong, to consider things bad or always bad is a mistake. To understand another context other than it is optimistic, it is maximally good, maximally good, I'm seeking what's maximally good, is to automatically do or be worse. There is only the good and sleep. There is only the good and error. There are no other contexts. Error in seeing it is blocking us seeking it. Pessimism is not just a choice. It's wrong. It's wrong to be pessimist. It's wrong to consider the glass half empty. It's both half empty and half full. Then how does that really even matter, the enlightened person would say. It's, it's wrong. Pessimism is just wrong. It's literally wrong to assume that things are always bad. To assume that things are always bad context is the generally good context to choose. Never mind the goodest context to choose to see the world in when it is not. It is clearly just a defense mechanism chosen originally by children and perpetuated into adulthood to try to prepare yourself for things being bad, which doesn't really work very well, does it? It stops you from getting your hopes up and that's supposed to protect you, but it really doesn't, does it? Pessimism is an inferior, lackluster, non-enlightened, non-philosophic defense mechanism like so many that have been perpetuated over history that our society is still wrong in believing in and doesn't even know not to teach. And at our wisest moments, we start to realize that optimism is the way. Optimism. It is optimistic. Everything is optimistic. Everything is the good. The good doesn't disappear. We're always seeking the good. We're always after the good. We can always perceive the good. We can always dial ourselves into the good. It doesn't go away. It was just a bad, that is a much better coping mechanism. I assure you. You know this is true. Otherwise you wouldn't be here listening to me. Optimism, meditative uh, dedication to optimism is a much better coping mechanism. I'm speaking as a neuroscientist. I'm speaking as a psychologist. I'm speaking as a philosopher. I'm speaking as someone who has these afflictions. And I'm speaking as someone who has eradicated them with over 30 years of meditation. Dedicated optimism is a much better coping mechanism than pessimism. It just does not work. So, as the Bard says, as Shakespeare said in Hamlet, nothing is, is with his mad prince, who said a lot of these things, and that's why he called him mad. Because people call you mad when you start thinking things that they don't think, that they don't understand. Nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. 
Is there a necessary reason to think up anything bad? Nope. Is it required of you? Nope. It's just a habit. A bad habit. A bad habit we have sadly learnt the world over. In fact, there are reasons not to think feel things are always bad. All the reasons. The good reasons. The good. The fact we can just tune our soul into it anytime we want, if we practice enough. So this is not to say that we practitioners of the good, we do not take precautions for the future. Of course we do. Of course we foresee the worst coming, we plan for the worst, but we always hope for the best. And we always are hoping and gooding. Hoping and gooding is more what we're doing than planning for the worst, hoping for the best. Hoping and gooding is a better uh, way to say it. There's a, a prayer we have. Uh, We're always seeking the good. We're always seeking the good, feeling the good, finding good, know good, love good, be good now. I'll say it again. Say it with me. Take a deep breath. Let your soul seek the walls out. Seek the walls out again. Reach out with your hands. Touch the walls. The walls pull in, but your soul reaches out. sinks you down to your chair. Seek good, feel good, find good, know good, as in K-N-O-W, know good, love good, be good now, am good now, be good now, I am good now. The word now in there is an interesting neuroscientific uh, tool to helping you feel making a limbic system appraisal changes. Now everything's are fine. It's new now. New situation now. We're all good now. New situation now. Not the old situation. But I remember what that was. We're all good now. It's done. Shake it off. You can literally shake, actually. That's a calming signal in mammals. You can literally shake like this. All done. You've seen people do that before. All the tricks, folks. So that was a massive lesson. Um, I'd like to pause here uh, and pick it up again. Let's try the prayer again. Seek good. That's all you need to do. Feel good. Find good. Know good. Love good. Be good now. Uh, I want you to keep meditating on that. I want you to try and stay in this trance state of the good. Seeking the good. It is optimistic. Wake to the good. The sleep means nothing. Seek good. Feel good. Find good. Know good. Love good. Be good now. I hope that you can seek the good in your lives and feel that joy and positivity and try and bring this goodness and joy and positivity to other people when it's safe and they seem to be receptive to it. And we'll see you with another guided meditation next week where we will take another little step up the long, long staircase towards enlightenment. And we'll see you then.